Hello and welcome to Plot Twists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Duke the Halls by Felicity Neven. This was published in 2023 and is a prequel novella to the Bed Me books, the first two of which we have read. I have a stupid question. Yes. Were these people in the Bed Me books? Oh, you mean these two people, Kit and yes. Franny? I do not believe they were in the books, no. It just usually, I feel like when prequel novellas are written, it's because the author wants to, like, show you an origin story. Oh, yeah. That was no. alluded to in those books, and I didn't feel like this was that. Yeah, I mean, I guess just, like... Uh, yes, it is chronologically earlier, and there are chronologically cameos. earlier, and then he taught, he basically is like, oh, yeah, these are these this person's buddies, this mm-hmm. person's set. Yeah, got it. Okay. Shall we read the book jacket, Lane? We can. Do you want to start? Yeah. The Duke of Kitteridge is the rarest of men. A wealthy, tall, and still unmarried Duke at the age of 31. As such, he's perennially at the top of the most eligible bachelor list of the town. And yet, he's never gotten close to landing a wife. Young ladies don't seem to like him. Scratch that. They revile him. And he's in complete sympathy with their opinion of him. Because he is, without question, an insufferable clodpole. But to please his mother, he's promised to attend a Christmas country house party where he will meet a dozen possible future duchesses. He will waltz and carol and stand under mistletoe when all he really wants to do is cloister himself in his London library with a fire, a stack of books, and his dog. So he does what any rational, right-thinking duke would do. He runs away. Enter Franny Cranwell, ray of sunshine. After what they've both been through, Franny just wants her little brother Wren to have the best Christmas ever. And he will. She'll make sure of it. And if that means she has to give an adorably grumpy duke lessons in how to speak, act like a human being, and win a wife, she'll do that. If only the darling Duke weren't so handsome and so brooding and so unintentionally funny. And such a good kisser. This is fine. It is way too long. It's way too long. I will say that it gives you a taste of the style of the book. Yes. But like that whole second that paragraph about the party he's promised to attend that he doesn't go to, I think it's described in more detail in the jacket than it ever is in the book. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I Yeah, you probably could have cut that out. So just for a very short novella, this jacket needed to be really thorough, I guess. It's a long, it's a long one. As usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 25 for novellas and wrote our own summaries using that number as our word count. I will go first. The Duke marries beneath him. (laughs) There's fun in there, guys. (laughs) I like it. I like it. It's subtle. He probably didn't pick up on it. You missed that one, you guys. (laughs) Meg, what was your five-word summary? The poor quatel of scrumptious. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think that I am hilarious, guys. In fact, I sent, like, what I consider to be some of my finest work to Lane in some text messages about this book. 
we will get into it later. But um, yeah, I think part of the reason you didn't get an LOL from me while recording is because I laughed out loud when you texted me. <laughs> and so I was prepared for that joke. Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> All right. So what are the tropes in this book, Meg? I mean, I think the big trope of this book and of the Bed Me books in general is the sex lessons trope. Absolutely. That is the core thesis. I have to tell you that for me, this book delivered better than any of the other books in the series that I've read so far. I think part of my problem with the Bed Me books are they get too complicated mm-hmm. for what they are. I think just the nature of Neven's writing style having fewer pages to work with prevents her from going off on tangents that I'm just less interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it was concise in a way her books never are. Yes. It was concise, which I really liked. And for me, after having read those books, which are, it's the sex, sex lessons trope, but in those it's sort of the traditional sex lessons trope where the, the woman asks the man for sex lessons. Right. In this book, the woman offers the man sex lessons yes and he takes her up on it because he's really into it he doesn't think he needs them necessarily but he's he's fine with getting them and then before we dive into this conversation because i actually have a lot to say let's finish tropes okay excuse me we'll talk about sex lessons soon yeah he um has a dog who can absolutely tell who is good people you've got the like animals have a sixth sense yes she is a disinherited daughter there are a lot of Christmas tropes in this book. Yes. There's mistletoe. There's decorating. There's Christmas shopping. What else is there, Lane? Surly Duke and a bookworm. <laughs> I thought you were going to patent that one or copyright it. I'm you. I do like he's also a bookworm. Yeah. Like there are little things about this that made them more compatible than yeah. the other Felicity Neven books. I agree. I, I mean, you don't want to talk about it yet, so I'll hold off, but I agree with you. No, so let's talk about sex lessons now, because I think that okay. is the major lay of the land, tropes-wise. Okay, let's do it. Here's my thing. The way the sex lessons are presented here and the dialogue and the word choice, I don't think I particularly like Felicity Neven's writing style, like, that's just to be like, this is subjectivity at its finest, like objectively, if you love her, awesome. Like, I don't think she's terrible or anything, but I don't often connect with her characters or her pacing or like the way she chooses to depict people. And I know that sounds awful to like, and damning, but when I'm like, this book worked for me on an almost Lauren's-esque level, mm-hmm. but with a little bit more attention to like compatibility yeah 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 like she is a little bit blunt and gauche which made it really hard to believe she was a peer's daughter at any point well and that's that's really yeah rude and surly but you got why that didn't bother her like yeah and it made the sexiness and the pining like hot it worked it worked it worked and the sex lessons in general i was very into the way they played out like i said she offers to give him sex lessons yeah because he's not great at it yeah 
his first he's great his at first certain Im- things. Yes. His first impression is or his first um mm, reaction is to say no, like I don't need sex lessons. I have had sex, I know how to do it. But then he's like, wait, like, I want to have sex with her. And she's offering to give me lessons. So I should say yes. Yes. So that we can have sex. And I'm like, okay, like, I liked his, his, like, thought. But then it turned out that, you know, he did actually need sex lessons. Yes. And, oh, it's the point of the sex lessons, as the book jacket says, is to help him find a wife. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. So there is literally none of that on the page. He ditches the party, as the book jacket says. And even at no point does he actually think about how he's going to find a wife or how this will help him. Like, that is no. not on the page at all. <laughs> well, it reminds me of that book we just read by Catherine Grant. Mm-hmm. It's in her kiss. Because it's the same way there. He's like, the the male main character in both of these books is focused. for. He falls first, so trope, right? Yep. He's just focused on her and he's like, I want to be with her. And she's like, oh, he can't be with me because I'm not appropriate for him. Like, he needs to find someone better for him. So I'll teach him how to find someone else. Yeah. But he never once is actually wants to marry someone else. He's kind of like, ugh, I have to marry someone else. Gross. But I don't want to. I just want this one. Well, and he also wants a wife. As in, like, he wants someone to help him run the house, and he wants to not have to think about certain things, but he's not interested in the emotional connection, mm-hmm. which was best exemplified by the fact that he'd started abstaining from sex, essentially to try to drive himself into marriage as the only way to get laid, and then he found out he wasn't that interested in sex. <laughs> it's little things that this book does things that have annoyed me in previous books like I hate Pandora Ravenel I think she seems really infantile (laughs) but here you have a similar like happy-go-lucky making up words seems like a child but she's so frank about sex and taking care of her brother and like so that the immaturity is clearly yes a part of her personality but I don't actually think she's simple Mm -hmm. in the way I sort of did with Pandora Ravenel yes there are it's so funny because I think what we're both getting at is there are like little bits and pieces of a lot of other things in the genre. And like, I'm surprised I liked this as much as I did because I haven't traditionally loved books by this author. And these are some tropes that I often find really like icky and they all worked for me here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm going to be completely honest as well to all of the listeners I was a little nervous going into this one and I was so pleased with it. I had such a fun time reading it. It was great. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Christmas novella, we'll get to the candy canes, but it was, it was really fun. Yeah. I do want to share my other pun that I'm still extremely proud of. (laughs) I'm surprised that's not in the notes. I was expecting that to be your summary. (laughs) It unfortunately didn't, didn't meet the five words. So, (laughs) um, but you may know that one of the mm, conceits of the Bed Me books mm-hmm. is that they all begin with a sex scene between the main characters. Mm-hmm. And in two or three of them, they then they jump back in time, right? Mm-hmm. So like it starts with this sex scene and then three days earlier or three weeks earlier or whatever. Yeah. And it, the same thing happens here. It starts 
in the middle of a sex scene and then it jumps to, you know, five days earlier or whatever. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I very proudly texted Lane and I was like, oh, this is, it started like the other books in media sex. Again, really funny, but this is now like the third time I've heard it. So <laughs> Sorry. I'm glad you're cracking up. It's all good. I'm just very, very proud of myself. You should be. I know. I am. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, so this book starts out with the sex scene, then it jumps back a few days, and they meet cute in a coach. A male coach. Male coach. He has jumped onto the coach because he decided he's almost at the Christmas party, Christmas house party, and he was like, mm, nope, I'm not going. So <laughs> he gets on the male coach and he's seated across from her. And she is, she's sort of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl who has bought a book of jokes, right. like a literal joke book, and decides to read it out loud to yes. the coach. Like, I like I can, this scene, I, this is very cinematic in that you can kind of see it happening on yeah. the big screen, right? Yeah. And then he saves her from a male coach harasser lane. By very briefly pretending to be her husband. Not like, it doesn't last beyond the coach ride. It's just like a hands off my wife sort of situation. Yeah. And then, so I actually also liked being in his head. One of the things about the Bed Me books that has been difficult is that the male characters, the main characters and their friend group seem to be extremely misogynistic. Yes. And Kit has, he, it feels like he's working on himself. He has this initial impulse. Like, for example, when he's thinking about how he has been celibate for the past mm -hmm. almost three years, he realizes that, well, I don't really care about women anyway doesn't really matter right they're not interesting to me whatever you know <laughs> so it's like kind of this very um sexist attitude towards yes. women right they're all interchangeable doesn't matter whatever but one of the first thoughts he has about her is she sparked his interest in a way that it was rare for any person to do let alone a woman <laughs> exactly um but he's constantly checking himself reining himself in so for example he uh when they arrive in london he wants to find out where she's going so he follows her and he can tell that she's like trying to lose him and then he's like you know what i'm probably freaking her out i should probably not follow her around right and again the the initial impulse is kind of misogynistic but he pulls himself back and this doesn't sound like super sexy, but I found it refreshing. Yeah. Can I say? So. That worked for me. It did. Uh, like, again, I'm not saying it should have. No, it worked for me, too. Like, it totally worked for me. And then it was the same thing with the, the sex lessons. Like, I I think we're meant to be in, in um you know, his thought process. And that worked for me. It did work. So, um, Lane, tell me about Franny. Would she have been disinherited? All right. So I don't think this is super interesting to our listeners. So this is my initial instinct without going into too much detail. Franny and her brother were the legitimate children of 
her father. He was married to their mother. But then after his death, it was revealed that they were only married in Italy by a Catholic priest. And that made the marriage invalid in the eyes of English law. And so some minor nobody who felt like he was likely in legitimate line of succession, though very removed, sued upon the death of her father to basically take the title. There are basic facts that are true. If you were Catholic and you got married in England, you also had to be married by a Protestant. Like a Catholic marriage was illegitimate. But it takes an act of parliament to disinherit someone on that basis. I find it very difficult to believe that they could have proven a negative. Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing to say they have a Catholic wedding certificate, but that was allowed. They just also needed to have a Protestant one. The fact that nobody could find it didn't mean it didn't exist. I, I find it very unbelievable that Parliament would turn on one of their own mm -hmm. over some asshole's petty claim without there being a lot more to it. So, right. like, theoretically, yeah, sure, but it didn't seem like the level of legal complexity that would have been required for that to actually go down could have happened in the timeframes being talked here or, frankly, that people actually would have done it. Right. That's I knew you would be able to enlighten me on that. Like this is I'm not like an expert in this. I am a, just a very dedicated romance re reader who needs to Google everything. Um, yeah. And so that's my like yeah, technically like there are some things that are correct in the bones of this. But like this is not how it would go down. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, too, about like, let's say she and her brother were not found to be eligible for the title, for example. Right. It seems to me like they still would have been able to inherit the unentailed wealth. Right. Like her father's will doesn't become invalidated. It's right. only the title and the things that are granted by parliament that would have been taken away. That's what so, I was wondering, too. Like, yeah, maybe he had no wealth. Maybe there were no assets that were unentailed, you know, but like she opened up a very complicated legal can of worms and then just hand waved it away by never actually addressing it, which like, honestly, I prefer. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, look, we, there's a whole book that we read a couple of years ago that we, that I was fine with, even though Blaine was like, this would never happen. It bothered me because it was the Duke, because mm -hmm. the structure of the conflict was the male main character's whole life was being uprooted by this thing would not fucking happen. Mm-hmm. Here, it was just a device to make her slightly scandalous. Like, it wasn't actually central to the plot at all. Okay. It this could have been any other reason that she was slightly scandalous. Yeah. It was an interesting thing, too, because she thought around it for a while. And I was like, ooh, Lane is going to hate this. But then it comes out relatively early. Yeah, it wasn't that long. That's it. Yeah. Yes, it was annoying. But it was annoying for one quarter of a novella, which was, what, 15 minutes of my life? <laughs> 15 minutes of my life. Sorry. It's the time period, y'all. <laughs> She's hand-waving. Like, you can't see her, but she is just hand-waving over there. Um, okay, one of Franny's little quirks, as, as I pointed out in my summary, is that she comes up with new words. And one of the new words that she comes up with is scrumptious. 
<laughs> I'm not kidding. I was waiting for an author's note to be like, the first recorded use of Scrumptious was in this year, which is why I set the book in this year. Does Felicity Nevin do author's notes? I don't know. I don't know, Lane. She does second novella. I mean, second epilogues. I mean, as someone who does not read author's notes if they're there, like, the fact that you, you didn't read an author's note? Well, I think she did. I think she did not write an author's note in this book because I was specifically okay. looking for it. I don't it. know if she did in other books. Noted. Okay. I, I don't remember. Also, we had an arc, and sometimes author's notes don't appear in the arcs. I still know you as a human. Okay. I'm just yeah, I was yeah, making yeah. sure you hadn't been body snatched. No. I haven't. I, I, like I said, I was looking for the author's note in this one to be like, okay, so tell me about why scrumptious was the word that was chosen. Um, it was a portmanteau of, of what? Uh, sumptuous and delicious? No, it had to be something else because... It didn't stick with me like it stuck with you. <laughs> I think it helps that my daughter was studying for quatails. <laughs> this year and so like now poor quatails are just in my mind all the time <laughs> okay uh, but anyway she comes up with like new words all the time which obviously made me think of Pandora Ravenel and then one of the other things that happens in the book is he doesn't really see the point of fiction of reading novels right right and he they talked about Tristan Shandy for example and he uh -huh. was like I didn't really see the point of that book and she's like no it was really funny so that of course made me think of Cassandra Ravenel and Tom Severin so right it was cute so last thing we'll talk about the epilogue I'm sort of on the record of not liking epilogues very much I think too often in romance novels they're like an unnecessary he put a baby in her sequence or just like a snippet from the wedding day that doesn't really add anything. Like, I feel like they're just there by default mm -hmm. in the same way that like at concerts, everybody does uh, encore. <laughs> yeah. like, they're, they're not special. They're given. Right. This book needed its epilogue. And I was so happy with the direction that it went. And not just because I'm trash, but because you really needed a scene of them being compatible because so much of the book is her trying to teach him and him pushing against her scandal that like a scene of them being completely on the same page and showing that they both personally grew was really necessary, but I get why it wasn't a part of the main story because it wasn't a, the conflict. So really excellently deployed epilogue. And when we get to sexiness, we'll talk about why it was also very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, of course, we have to talk about the content notes and content warnings. Yeah. Um, Franny was sexually harassed in the coach by a nasty dude. I think that's basically it, right? Yeah, and to be clear, like, it's a guy making gross comments and probably pinching her butt, and that is not to minimize that, but when we talk about, like, the level of trauma you often see in romance novels. Yep. Yep. Sexiness lane? Yep. So I was actually nervous. So as Meg said, this book starts in media sex and he's like, she's pushing him off of her and being like, not like this, you dick. Essentially, I'm yeah. paraphrasing. And I was really nervous. This was going to be another book 
that we've read a couple of lately where somehow like him using her for sex is like an effort to drive her away and like an emotional manipulation tactic. And I've just been so over that. And then you flashback and it's actually really cute. And it's like so the way cute. it goes down and the way she's pushing him away is like a, Hey, I'm supposed to be teaching you how to be good at this and you're not being good at it right now. And they yeah. both talk about it. And like, yes, the dialogue is kind of bizarre and I wanted to laugh out loud at it, but like overall I thought it was cute and sexy. Yes. Me too. I really liked it. Um, it was a super cute scene. I always love it when the female character takes uh, agency over her own sexual pleasure and I really liked how Fran that that's what Franny was prioritizing right in this moment like yes supposedly he's getting sex lessons right but right. the sex lessons are how to make me feel good in bed right which I loved and I loved that Kit was like yeah I'll take direction and especially, as you said, when so much of this series has been, like, full of underlying misogyny that makes us uncomfortable, the fact that he's like, I'm kind of an asshole, but I'm trying not to be, including in the bedroom, was great. Well, and also, I know this is going to sound really stupid, but, like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole, but he's an asshole to literally everyone, not right. just to women. Right. Right? Like, he's a jerk. Again, I think you're you think you're supposed to interpret it as he's on the spectrum, so he he doesn't really get social interactions. But to him, he's in he's internalized that as I'm an asshole. Right. I did think that was where the book felt weakest to me. Mm -hmm. There was a whole lot of expositing about their characters and their relationships with the world that I don't think bore out on the page at all, right. including his deep internalization that he was like that bad a person. Yeah. But. Again, I, I guess I'm very gracious on the Christmas novella spectrum for these sort of things. And it's a novella, you know. I, I think right. that's the thing, too. Like, there's not enough time to delve into it. So if it doesn't get delved into, you're like, well, you know, it was a novella. Right. So. Um, also, epilogue was really great. And I want more face-sitting in historicals. Yeah, basically, I, as Meg said, she was a little bit apprehensive, so I read this one first and was going to tell her yay or nay, because in my opinion, there's no such thing as a truly unreadable Christmas novella, <laughs> and I was like, no, you're going to want to read this because of the epilogue, <laughs> and Meg was like, waiting for it, and then she was like, yup. <laughs> I was like, you are correct. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, more face-sitting in, in any romance novel, not just historical, but since I read mostly historicals, like, that's where I'm focusing my attention. I just, it really, for a book that's entirely about what a selfish guy this is, including as a lover, the fact that the epilogue was just a description of how he'd learned to go down on her culminating in face sitting. Yeah. It's called character development lane. It's called growth. It's called growth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. If we liked this. Look, look, if you want to show character growth through face sitting, I am here for it. Honestly, that's the biggest thing she pulled off with this book, in my opinion. Uh-huh. All right. Candy cane rating lane. Rate it for me. Okay. So factors. It is Christmas time and they are celebrating Christmas and there's a couple of gift shopping scenes, but like, to be honest, it's not the most festive. 
There's a Christmas proposal though, Lane. Yeah, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. I, like, like three. It's not bad. Like it wasn't not Christmas, but there's yeah. very little actual Christmas activities. It's just getting points. There was no like snow. Actually, two and a half. There was not enough snow. <laughs> These are my rules and I make them up as I go. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the Christmas proposal was going to weigh heavier. It's, I mean, it's the reason it's not just getting a, okay, cool, you just called it Christmas time and moved on. It was going to, excuse me, it was going to weigh more heavily. I need to correct my own grammar there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I get it. But then also the face sitting was like on the 12th day of Christmas. I, I thought you learned a lot in 12 days. That. He learned so much in 12 days. Mm-hmm. He did. Oh, that's, um, I'm proud of him. Anyway, we liked this one. It is available in Kindle Unlimited. If you're a subscriber, know that. FYI. So, awesome. I mean, well, thank you worth, guys so much for listening. We're reading.